things and close your eyes. It's half past midnight, and you're listening to the Ghost Story Pass. Welcome to the Ghost Story, guys. I'm Brennan Store. I'm Ian Gibbs. And this is a show where we talk about spooks, specters, and all the other things watching us from the shadows beyond the campfire. Some conversations only make sense after the sun has set, and this is most definitely one. Thanks for tuning in. This is episode number 94, and we're coming to you from that tiny mountain cabin you dream about but can never quite reach. How you doing, Ian? I'm doing well. Brennan, how are you? I am good, although I, I am thoroughly discombobulated because now that we have the mini episodes, yes, the first of which just was released on Tuesday. We're recording mm-hmm. this Wednesday, so mm-hmm. it was yesterday. Came mm-hmm. uh, it, it has thrown me off completely. I understand. It's a weird feeling, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Because usually episode release days, I have about, you know, a day or two before I have to think of anything else. Right. But now episode release day is literally the day before we record the next one. <laughs> so you're all over it. Uh, yeah, I am. I am on top of it, but it's it's <laughs> like being on one of those cartoon characters. that's on top of a log in water. Mm-hmm. And so it's just rolling, rolling, rolling. And you just, you know. Until you get to the waterfall and it drops down below you, but you keep running. That's inspiring. Thank there you. There you. You're welcome. I'm all about the inspiration. Live, love, laugh. That was mine. I thought so. Yeah, uh-huh. you must be doing well on the royalties on that. No, I forgot to copyright it. I'm just here to bring positivity in the world. It's true. You are an engine of joy. Right. Hang in there, baby. With a cat on the tree. That was mine, too. But Genius. again, I know. I know it's a gift. Rarely appreciated in its lifetime. I just want to live a normal life. It's getting hard for me to continue lying, you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, moving on. Moving on. Yes. Yeah, so, no, I am. I am. <laughs> Glad to be back on the mic, as always. And we have another great selection of stories for you today sent in by our listeners, mm-hmm. including the title story, The Approaching Void. This is so not cool. It combines some of my favorite things, which is terror and inclement weather, <laughs> which seems apropos right now, as I think it was the night before last I was at work and I started smelling something acrid and mm. burning. Yes. And I thought, what the hell? is that and then i woke up to silent hill yeah i know basically the entire west coast of the united states is on fire yeah and it, it all got blown up here yes it did and so yeah. uh yeah so the the horror of weather is very much on my mind but this is a much more manageable version of it I oh i'm pleased yes so, <laughs> plenty of other shit to be afraid of but this is a manageable shit to be afraid of ghost story guys the manageable shit to be afraid of <laughs> Screaming to the void since 2017. That actually could be our tagline. (laughs) You ever hear that old adage? You're hanging off a cliff by a strawberry bush and there's a a, a snarling tiger above you and below you is a fatal drop. Right. What do you do? You eat the strawberries. Oh, no. I'd give them to the tiger and then rub his belly and then we'd be friends. Well, you just just ruined the whole approach there. Uh That's fine. Hey, that's what out-of-the-box thinking gets you. That's why I am the inspirational host that I am. God help us. Anyways, we're the strawberry folks. <laughs> the ghost three guys with the strawberries. We're the strawberry. Ian just dropped an elbow on the throat of my metaphor, so we're going to move right along here. Does that make me the tiger? I think it does. We'll go with that. I'm, I'm pleased. I'm just going to sit here and lick myself now. Ooh, that sounded weird. Anyways. <laughs> Bring me another goat. <laughs> oh, Jesus. I hunger. Okay, I'm done now. Yes. I've been reading about demons all morning. I'm sorry. Oh, of course. Yes, you, you have, one of our listeners has written a story uh, kind of, I, I guess, technically where you are a character. 
I yes, and we can't, um, we can't ruin it. But no, and I, I won't ruin it. Um, he he's written about five stories that he's publishing as a mini book, and they're kind of amazing. And uh, yeah, the fact that I was a character in one, super fun. Well, of all the things I believe in this world, you as a demon is the easiest one. <laughs> I think in the story, I'm more of a courier. Let's go with that. Yeah. It's a missed opportunity. <laughs> I'm sure you read a lovely story about me as a demon. You assume I haven't already. Hey, well, I just figured it would be part of your therapy. <laughs> I can't afford therapy. I just have to go through life being a pain in everyone else's ass. Oh, that's why. Okay. Well, I mean, it's one reason. <laughs> All right. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back with the approaching void and other stories. Welcome back. As we said before the break, we've got another great slate of listener stories on this show, including some stuff that is a little further afield than we normally do. We actually have a story from Guinea in West Africa. Very cool. Yeah, I'm excited for that one. We don't, again, we, I don't know that we've ever had a story. Oh, we had one from Madagascar. That's yes. Right. But I was going to say, otherwise, I think the entire continent of Africa has been. No, we did one about a guy getting... He and his dad were on that road between Uganda and Kenya. Oh, no, that was South Africa. You're absolutely right. Or was it, was it Uganda and Kenya? I, I was sure something about I think the... they were from South Africa. Okay, but it and happened then, in Africa. I know that. Yeah, no, you're, you're absolutely right. Yeah, you're right. They went to Uganda because... His they, dad was a game warden or some such nope, thing? No, he rented cars and the guy, <gasps> right. the car broke down. Right, right. That's right, what it was. Right. Yes. Yeah, that was a good one. I forgot yeah, all that. Yeah, that was a good one. I think that was Death on the Road. Well, I'm impressed you remember the name. <laughs> That's one of the Some, few episodes. Someone said to me on uh, one of the ghost walks, they listened to the show and they're like, do you remember the show where you guys told the story, blah, blah, blah. And I said to them, I'm like, honestly, when I turn off the mic at the end of the episode, I don't remember anything. <laughs> <laughs> there, there are a few stories that do definitely stick out. Right. But on the whole, no, I can't retain any of that. I got way too much going on in my head. <laughs> I remember some stories, but I don't always remember where they're from. Oh, interesting. You know, because it, it all becomes kind of like a, a mass of, of just like stories. And oh, that reminds me of a time. Right. There was a wrestler named Roddy Piper. I don't know if you're familiar with him. Yeah, Rowdy, Rowdy Piper. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. And so I I watched wrestling when I was a kid and kind of lost track with it. But then he died a couple of years ago. I want right. to say like 2015-ish. And I found out when he died that he had a podcast. Oh. And so I started listening to it. And man, I just fell in love with the guy. Oh. All over again because he was such a great storyteller. And yeah. he was just such a, he seemed like such a, a, a fun, like a nice guy. Nice. Like a sweet guy who'd taken a lot of hits. Maybe his brain wasn't working too great. <laughs> but, you know, he believed in, in standing up for, for what was right and all that stuff. Yeah. But something that he and I share in common is that he, he has all these stories. He has a lifetime of experience. Like I, I mean, I don't have that. But he can't remember a single thing unless he's prompted. Oh, funny. So if you say to him, tell me a story, he'll look at you blank. And then right. he said... But if you mention the word, say, bear, he'll go, oh, yeah, I fought a bear once for 20 bucks. Yeah, 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 yeah. Got it. Yeah. And I'm I'm the same way. If you say, you know, what's your favorite story from the show? 
uh, I have yeah, a show. No. But no, if I you know. say, you know, uh, stories about like shadow people hiding in the bathroom. Oh, shit. Yeah, I remember that one. That was, yeah, this, <laughs> I couldn't tell you what episode it was from. No, no. But, but uh, no, I agree with that. And actually, this show has taught me more than I ever realized because I've had people come to me with issues, you know, like something going on in their house and they're really freaked out. And I'll be like, well, you know, I've heard of this before and this and this and this happened and this and this and this worked, you know, kind of thing with like this sort of hive mind of, of information and experiences we've been so privileged to collect. So yeah, it's pretty neat. Yeah. It's really, really great. Just before we get to the stories, I wanted to say that in doing all this shit, I sort of found that for a long time, and I've said this before, it's hard to scare me. The stories we have don't always really, it's hard to get like a really scared reaction. I might get goosebumps now and again, but right. you know, it, it doesn't really disturb my sleep. No. Well, I had two films recently that got reactions for me for completely different reasons. Okay. One scared the ever-loving shit out of me. Okay. And it was an 11-minute short film called Abrocitos. All right. And... It is absolutely terrifying. I, I rented it through Fantastic Fest, or for, pardon me, Fantasia Fest. You can rent it for like a buck, but it's it's only 11 minutes. And again, watching this thing, it started, I thought, eh, it's fine, whatever. <laughs> and then the final shot, I kid you not, had me clawing back in my seat. And I actually said out loud, motherfucker, as I watched it alone by myself at night in my house. Interesting. And then I, I watched one called Macabre, which is this Indonesian slasher movie. Mm-hmm. And that one, I shut off halfway through because I thought, I don't need this in my life or my head. Wow, it must have been really bad. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, it wasn't great. <laughs> and that's for the first time in a long time, I had nightmares. Wow. About this, like the content. Because I don't do well with tortury stuff. Right, right. You know, especially locked room movies. You know, there's movies. Remember we watched Mayhem mm-hmm. for bonus episode two? Mm-hmm. And I, I really like that one because it was funny. But it was funny, of, yeah. But I still struggle with there's something really anxiety-inducing about this notion of you are trapped in here, and to go forward, you have to hurt people and you know, like take hurt onto yourself. Right, 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 right. E- even the BBC show Sherlock, you know, there was the, the yes. very last episode yes, of the I last know exactly season. Exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, was the same thing, and I th- I just remember thinking this rather sinking feeling. Mm-hmm. As it all unfolded, and I thought, oh, I don't want this. I don't want this. A bit like um, Sophie's Choice. Oh, wow, gonna... that's an extreme example, but yes. That's... It's the same kind of thing, though, right? Like, you, it's it's the worst choice you're ever going to need to make, right? I guess it is. Yeah. Yeah, you you have somehow managed to connect Sophie's Choice to an Indonesian slasher film. I'm, I'm, I'm classy that way. <laughs> no kidding. Um, I, love indeed. I, <laughs> I had the same thing with... Um, when we do the ghost walks, I think I told you this, where we were coming up to the last stop and at 930, that's in our official haunted room. And um, just before we're going in, this woman's outside with her daughter who's been on the tour and she's like 12 or something and she's crying. And as people are filing past me, I, I look at the mom with concern. I'm like, oh my God, is she okay? What's wrong? And the mom looks at me like I'm a moron and she's like, uh, she's scared. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, why? Oh, oh, right. Ghost walk. Right. Got it. Because right. she's stuck but, alone in a room with me? I mean, I get it, I guess. But, oh, ghosts. Right. Yeah. No, it just, because it doesn't even register anymore. It's yeah, so, it does. We're, I'm that dead inside, I guess. <laughs> I, I, mean, I didn't want to say it. But. No, I know, but it's okay. Yeah. 
Well, again, we have a great selection of stories. Hopefully, that will be just enough to scare you, not give you nightmares. Mm-hmm. Um, although, you know, what the hell? Why not uh, shoot for the moon? <laughs> Throw in a little nightmare sauce on your burger. Yeah, that's it. If you miss, you'll <laughs> land among the stars. <laughs> This story comes from Chris. So for this story, I'll give a little history. My grandmother died in November 1980, six months before my parents got married. My father, who had a really hard time with his mother's passing, looked into ways of contacting her, astral projection, mediums, and so on. He did a lot of research and learned what he could. One evening in the winter of 82, my parents and some of their friends decided to play the Ouija board. No one knew of my father's intentions. So they sat around the board, my mother with a pad of paper, and the only people touching the board being my dad and their friends. The planchette started to move. They asked the board for the name of the spirit, and it spelled out Daniel Murphy. No relation that we know of, but he claimed he was from the 1600s. First they asked the usual silly questions, but then my father asks, Do you know me? To which the board replies, Yes. My father asks, How? and at this point takes his hands off the board. The board spells out M-O-T-H-E-R. At this point, my mother says, Oh shit. My father, still not touching the board, asks, Is she there? The board says, No. So my father asks, Where is she? The board replies, Dead. So my father responds, But you're dead. And the planchette forcefully moves to no. His hand back on the board, they move it back to yes, and the board again forces it to no. By this point, everyone is getting a bit spooked, so they decide to put it away. An hour or so goes by, and they jokingly take it out again to see if it's still around. It was. Then they put it away, and truth be told, I don't think they hung out altogether again. I'd like to say that's where the story ends, but alas, there's more. My father was up watching TV one night, and my mother was laying in bed. She was pregnant with me at the time. The lights in the apartment started to dim slowly, as if they were on a dimmer switch, which they weren't. Then they would flare back up. This happened a few times. The next day, he saw the landlord and asked if there had been a power surge the night before. There hadn't been. A week later, it happened again, and this time the landlord came upstairs to witness it, as it wasn't happening downstairs. Yet again, there was no explanation. Now, I'm not sure of the time frame that passed between this story and the next, but my mother was still pregnant with me. She was in bed, and Dad was up watching TV when she called out to him, saying she could smell rotten eggs. My father went to check and couldn't smell anything until he got closer to the corner of the room behind my mother's bedside table. My father moved the table and checked the walls. Nothing there, and after a few minutes, the smell disappeared. My father went back to watching TV, And a few minutes later, my mother called him again, saying, It's back, and it's getting stronger. So unless I missed something in the email, I believe that's the end of the story. (laughs) It's back, and it's getting stronger. Not not the best way to end the story. (laughs) I know, right? And then the farting ghost descended. (laughs) At least that's what they told the neighbors. Yeah, well, you know. We don't know what that smell is. We think it's a ghost.
yeah, it's certainly not uh, Bren plus French onion soup again. Oh, God. I miss that shit. I no, no, no one misses that, Brennan. <laughs> Trust me, as the guy who used to have to share a room with you as we recorded the podcast after we would eat. I'm, and always burritos because I like burritos. I'm grateful that COVID Fair. happened. <laughs> wow. Okay. <laughs> Seems like an extreme solution to that problem, but okay. Hey, I'm here to inspire. (laughs) (laughs) Go great. Go big. That's right. Go big or go home. That's another one of mine, by the way. Of of course. Yeah. No, you're a man of many phrases. Exactly. (laughs) Trite, useless placations are my specialty. (laughs) But they sell. They do sell. Have you seen my collection of precious moments figurines? (laughs) Okay. I draw the line there. (laughs) That and Beanie Babies, too far. Ugh. But uh, the what's interesting though is the rotten egg thing actually reminded me of my experience at Lizzie Borden House. Mm-hmm. And funny enough, uh, Nick, my wife, for people who are new to the show, she has been working from home since Turducken started. Basically, we've actually been very right. fortunate that that's been an option. And while she's sitting there, you know, kind of working, and and when she's not taking calls, she has unsolved mysteries on in the background. Right. Because the entire 10 season run is on Amazon Prime. Amazing. Oh, yeah. And so periodically I'll get caught up in something. You know, I'll, I'll step out to grab something and I just, you know, Robert Stack's voice just hooks me in. It would. Yeah. But there was one on there about the Lizzie Borden house. Oh, wow. And it was a real trip to see it on television, um, sort of because I, I stayed there in 2016. Right. And so this would have been, I think, the late 90s. Mm-hmm. I remember so, you, you sharing that experience on the show too. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. and and I, I won't get into the like the, the the sort of the nitty gritty of it here, but um, and the reason I bring it up is because I smelled rotten eggs, right? And I thought there had been a gas leak, like oh, an actual, okay. and so, but no one else seemed to notice. Oh wow! And so I, we were doing the whole house tour, and we're there with a group of people. It was me and my friend Mike, who is a, a patron of the show. Yeah, and the whole time I was smelling gas, and I thought, well, Jesus, this can't be good. Oh, no, that's not good at all. It got so bad, actually, or so noticeable that that night when I went to bed, I left the window open because I was concerned about something. Oh, like a gas leak or something. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I don't want to die of uh, carbon monoxide poisoning in this dump. No. The last thing I was going to say is he mentions there that um, I don't think they all hung out together again. And it's always kind of interesting to see when an experience like that divides a group of friends. And it does. I've yeah. heard of that many, many times. It, this isn't paranormal, but about 10 years ago, yeah, 10 years ago this year, actually, uh, someone in my family died on vacation very suddenly, unexpectedly. Oh, no. Yeah, yeah. And we got the call, and Nick and I got the call while we were over at a friend's house. Right. They, there's this couple, we used to, they used to have us over for dinner. They had... Uh, the, the place they were renting had like a built-in movie theater. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah. It was like a converted garage with a projector and it just left there. So they were, they were allowed to use it. Very cool. And right in the middle of the movie, I get a phone call. It's my mother. And phone calls from my mother, 10 o'clock at night. Not a good sign. No. And uh, yeah, and she was telling us about this, this bad news and our friends, because at the time we didn't drive. Right. So our friends had to drive us home. Right. And the whole time I'm on the phone with my mother, you know, talking about what's going on and trying to get a sense of, you know, who do we need to get hold of mm-hmm. yeah. what needs to be done. And I tell you, we never were invited over again. <gasps> Are you serious? Yeah. We never saw those friends socially again. I <gasps> think, I think just that proximity to life just oh, scared the shit out of them. That, that is was it. weird. 
it's a little weird. I yeah. mean, isn't that the time you would step up and like? Well, I see, and I, th- I think yes, but I think it also that happens when you're dealing with with true friends. True. Yeah. And I think moments like that are what divide true friends from people you know. Yes, that is very true. Yeah, and uh, they turned out to be people we know, and and mm-hmm. yeah, really after that point, aside from social media, I haven't, I don't think I've seen either of them. Yeah. So no great loss. Uh, no, that's it. So, anyways. Thank you very much for sharing that with us, Chris. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Our next story comes from Heather. I've had experiences all my life, and I'm anxious to tell you about the ones that have happened over the past several years since the death of my Nana who was like a mother to me, and the unexpected passing of my father, who I adored. My oldest son is now 19, but I'd like to share with you an experience we had when he was four. A bit of background. He's always been rather tuned in to whatever is beyond what we can touch and see. When he was barely talking, we were visiting my in-laws, who lived in a beautiful but profoundly creepy old row house in Baltimore. It has one of those hallways everyone, even my non-believer husband, would run through because it was just off. We were settling into the room called the garret, which would traditionally have been the maid's quarters. Hubby and I were unpacking while my oldest, then the only child, turned to me and said, Mommy, house haunted? My husband and I looked at each other in shock. We'd made a point of never talking about the house that way in front of him because we didn't want him to be frightened. So I said, What, baby? And he just shrugged, while very matter-of-factly saying, House haunted and then turned back to his toy trains. My husband and I stood still in disbelief. Another time, back then we were living in Conakry, Guinea, West Africa at the time. My husband is a foreign service officer with the U.S. State Department, so we've spent the past 16 years living primarily overseas, and Guinea was our first posting. My dad and stepmom came to visit us, and we decided to take a road trip to pretty much the only hotel in the interior of the country, located in Dalaba. My husband couldn't take the time off work, but some friends of ours decided to join us, and we caravaned to the hotel. The only thing we knew about the hotel was that it was supposed to be a beautiful, historic building several hours away. When we arrived, it was clear the owner was not used to having guests. Guinea is not a big tourist destination, but he was warm and welcoming and happy to have us there. The hotel was clean. The views of the valley were breathtaking, and we had a lovely, simple dinner and decided so we could turn in so we could explore our surroundings the next day. There were two twin beds in the room. I was sharing with my children, my daughter, too, and my son. I put my daughter into bed with me and my son in the other bed. After story time and before lights out, my son got up to use the bathroom. He kept the door open, did his business, washed his hands, and then from the bathroom I heard him call, What, Mommy? Before coming out and looking at me, I said, what baby? You called my name, he replied. I shook my head and told him I hadn't. Just then his eyes grew huge. All the color drained from his face and I said, what's wrong? He pointed to the floor under my bed and softly said, mommy, there's a soldier under your bed holding a cat. He's looking at me and now he's going like this before moving his index finger to his lips and whispering, shh. He then scurried forward, took the biggest flying leap I'd ever seen a child take, right onto my bed where he burrowed into me and wouldn't move. 
We slept with the lights on. The next morning, we went to the dining room where my dad and stepmother were. And before I could even tell them what had happened, my dad said, Did you guys hear all that last night? I said, Hear what? He said, It sounded like furniture was being moved around out here all night long. I, I can't believe you didn't hear it. Right then, our friends came into the dining room, and one said something about how she hoped we'd sleep better than they had, what with the furniture being moved around all night. The owner came out to greet us, and my dad asked about someone moving furniture around all night, and he looked puzzled and said, no, nobody had done that. The furniture was exactly how it had been the night before, and my children and I, who had a room very near the dining room and had not slept well, had heard nothing. We ate breakfast and decided to take a walk to the small village museum. Just a one-room hut, really. On the walk over, I told my dad what had happened the night before. He was a skeptic, but also not someone to negate an experience, so he listened and agreed it sounded terrifying. We walked into the tiny museum and began to look around. There were some old photographs on the wall, so I wandered over, leaned in to look, and read the captions next to them. Keep in mind, none of us knew the history of our hotel. The photographs were of our hotel before it was a hotel, back when it was a hospital for French soldiers. The dining room was full of beds like a hospital ward with soldiers laying and sitting in them. An enormous chill went through me and I said, Um, Dad? And pointed to the photographs. He came over, looked at them, read the captions, and then said something along the lines of, Holy shit. Now at 19, my son still remembers that experience. This kid has a lockbox for a mind. He never forgets anything. And his memories go back to when he was very tiny. This is a kid who's lived in four countries, traveled to many others, has had experiences that would make your average person break into hives, the most recent being when he was 17. We were living in Honduras, and he was standing in the bed of a truck with a bunch of armed soldiers, speeding down the highway, hanging on for dear life, having a blast. My point is, he's fearless. But to this day, when he remembers that soldier under the bed, he visibly shudders. That kid has had a more interesting life at, what, 15th than I have had, uh, or 19th <laughs> than I have had at 39. Right. So thanks for sharing that with us, Heather. Mm-hmm. Um, Great story. Oh, it really is. And I just wonder, you know, how much more energy is there that just doesn't get reported, you know? Mm-hmm. Because you think like this hotel, no one had stayed there or, you know, he wasn't used to having guests at least. Right, right. So just imagine how many places like there must be, like that there must be and how much residual energy must just kind of because we've we've talked about things hiding out where there aren't as many people well we've even had that here i mean um the young building at camosun that was of course yeah yeah yeah. a a convalescent hospital for soldiers and there was there's been ghost activity there and then in my book victoria's most haunted um never heard of it (laughs) my friend lived in a house that had some weird stuff going on with soldiers and then when she researched she discovered it too had been a recovery home for soldiers who'd been injured in world war one interesting i forgot Mm -hmm. all about that yeah Despite having just reread the I was just going to say, despite having read it out loud, you complete idiot. Well, I just paid that horse to kick me in the head, so it would all, <laughs> it, would all just, it would all just go away. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Thanks again, Heather. This story has been submitted to us by a listener who asked to remain anonymous. Usually we just come up with uh, another name entirely, but they made a point of saying anonymous, so not a problem. I listen to you guys whilst I do paperwork at work. I'm currently a police officer in the UK. I loved your emergency workers episode, and I reckon you could do loads more. 
I agree. We're often in places we shouldn't be due to jobs and can find ourselves in some really horrific situations. This story is to do with the job I had before I joined the force, working for a kickboxing company in a town called Dudley, just outside of Birmingham, UK. Often I would have to open up the dojo and was expected to close late at night. I knew the building was haunted. We'd have customers tell us they saw a female reflected in the mirrors to the dojo, and they say that they felt watched in the toilets and changing rooms. Yeah, that, that isn't great. However, the only time I ever saw anything was one Saturday morning when I came into the dojo early. We had a television in the reception that was linked to a CCTV camera. This is so parents can sit in the reception and watch their children train. I turned on the TV and saw a woman on the first mat. She seemed to react to my presence in the reception and began to walk towards the door to the back room we used for storage. I ran towards the door to catch her and ask if she was okay or lost, but then on opening the door realized there was no one in the dojo. We were not open, the doors were locked, and I was the only person in the entire building. It's almost as if the whole building went cold when I realized what I had seen. I can't remember her with complete clarity, but I remember assuming she was wearing a sari, as her long black dress was really prominent and she had a shawl wrapped around her head. The worst incident did not happen to me, but I remember it so well. We had children of all ages training, and it was an honor to watch them grow and gain in confidence with their training. I had been told I got the job with the police and was working out my notice. On this day, one of the girls, who was around 12 or 13 years old, came running at me, crying and screaming, so I took her into the office and asked her what had happened. She told me that she had gone to the toilet when she heard someone enter the room. She thought it was her friend, so she called out, only to find that a hand was reaching up the door to her cubicle, curling its nails up the back of the door. I told her it was probably her friends trying to scare her, until she said, No, it's that woman. It's that woman that everyone sees. Her hand was gray, and she had long, broken nails. At this point, I started to panic. I knew exactly who she was talking about. Loads of customers had mentioned seeing her walk around corners and out of sight, wearing a long black dress. They catch her staring at them, and then she disappears. I still train at the dojo, but I feel since working at this place for so long, six years, I've got a heightened sense for these things. Through my job as a police officer, there have been other instances, not where I see ghosts, but I know exactly what presence is there or what it can attach itself to. I seem to know what people are thinking and what their intentions are, and I find it very easy to read behavior. So thank you for that story, anonymous listener. Mm -hmm. The interaction of these kind of things and electronics, I find really interesting. Oh, yeah. Like the thing that showed up on my Google home. Yeah, I don't. I'm not interested. Yeah, that, that's exactly which you forgot to save. I didn't forget to save it. I deleted it on purpose. <laughs> oh, well, that's different. I see. Okay. Oh, no. I was all like, nope, this isn't happening. Delete. Nope. <laughs> I was under the impression you just kind of went, oh, well, I don't need to save this. No, no. Well, I mean, sure. I probably would have thought that anyway. The second time something weird happened with the blinding white flash in the kitchen, that one I just forgot to save. I don't think I heard about that one. Didn't I say about that one? No. Happened a couple months ago. Um, we were over at Michelle's, who lives two doors away. Right. And we're all sitting around and we're talking about the weird thing we saw on the camera. So I open up the Nest app and right. there's our kitchen in the darkness. And I point it to her and I'm looking at it at the same time. And I'm like, so it was like this, but it caught 
a movement. And then about three or four minutes into what I'm talking about, because I've still got it on on my phone, there's this blinding white flash and then it goes dark again. And no Michelle, sh- and yeah, and Michelle goes, did you see that? And I'm like, yeah, what was that? And she's like, I don't know. It seriously just looked like lightning happened in your kitchen. And it was dark before that. It was dark before that. And our house is not situated near a road that no, could have lights going in through the kitchen window. There's no way. No. And I mean, even even like the road that is near your house is a cul-de-sac and it's at the front. Exactly. The, in the back. Exactly. Oh, that's so weird. So I have no idea what that was. And I decided I didn't want to know. <laughs> and that's how I deal with these things, boys and girls. Just shut the door. Eh, I can't explain them. They're not bothering me personally. We're good. All right. Fair enough. (laughs) Live and let live. Or not live, I guess. This story is from our listener, Nadia. About 17 years ago, after splitting up with his then-girlfriend, my brother needed a place to stay. Too cool to move back in with our mom, he decided to move in with my nan. My nan by this time was pretty old and unable to walk up the stairs, so my brother had the entire first floor to himself. For whatever reason best known to him, he made the large landing living room his main room and didn't really go into the other two bedrooms. My brother never believed in ghosts or anything like that until that one night when he suddenly woke up like someone had shaken him awake. He sat up in bed and saw the door from one of the bedrooms open, and out came the bright white shape of a man. It saw my brother and started walking towards him. My brother decided the best option at this point was to pull the duvet over his head and close his eyes tight. Oh, the Ian defense. After a while, he decided to peek out again and saw the shape going back into the bedroom where it had come from. The next morning, it suddenly wasn't uncool to live with our mom, and he moved back home. A few weeks later, my cousin, who really believes in the paranormal but has never had any experiences herself, decided to stay the night in my brother's old room to see if she could see the ghost too. It was the middle of the night again, and she was sitting, meditating, really trying to focus her energy, when the door slowly pushed open, and my nan's two cats shot out of there, and my cousin followed right behind them. The moral of the story, never be too cool to live with your mom. (laughs) Yeah, and old women have creepy houses. The end. Yeah, so thank you for coming to my TED Talk. Thanks again for that story, Nadia. This story comes from A. I was 16 and had moved to a new town. My best friend had also moved and I was in grade 11. I had procured some acid from a schoolmate and we were going to take it together. It was our first time and my last time doing acid. We went to her house and dropped. I was concerned, so I only took half a tab and then later took the other half. I spent a good three hours laying in her closet watching her clothes swirl and dance on their hangers. For the most part, it wasn't a bad trip. My friend wanted to leave the house and go for a walk, but I was too scared. I felt comfy in my closet nest and didn't want to go outside, especially as it was quite cold, as cold as winter on the West Coast gets. She had an older guy living next to her in the duplex and said she was going to walk to the store with him. He'd come to her back window to grab her. Immediately, I decided to go with her because I didn't want her to go out alone while high as fuck. We layered up, left her dad's townhouse, and went walking. At some point, the neighbor disappeared, but we could hear him calling to us. We found ourselves walking through an elementary school field towards some woods. Vividly, the 90s sunburst pattern that I was seeing on the ground changed, and I saw hands come up and hold my legs firm. 
I could not move. She grabbed my hand and told me to come with her, but I refused. Something inside of me screamed not to go with her, and not to let her go as well. She was getting upset with me, but I decided to pretend to be sick and begged her to go back home. In the end, we turned back, and as we were walking away, I could see in the distance her neighbor and a circle of cars with figures waving to us. It sent chills through me. I know it wasn't some guiding force, but rather just my brain being like, what the fuck are you doing, stupid, to stop us from going, but man, am I ever thankful for that. Jump to a week later. She took the acid again while I wasn't there. I had to work my part-time job and couldn't be with her. She ended up getting assaulted by that neighbor while high. I felt tremendous guilt for not being there to protect her, but was also grateful that we hadn't gone with him into the woods the week before. And so I responded to this person separately as well. Right. Um, but I uh, just wanted to say, you know, again, it's been a long time, but it's just so sorry that happened to your friend. No kidding. It's fucking awful. And some people are scumbags. On a side note, you cannot feel responsible for that. That is nothing to do with you. And, and I understand that. And there may even be some survivor's guilt in there. But no, that's got nothing to do with you or anything you did or didn't do. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, I, I didn't occur to me to say that, but I'm glad you did. Yeah. So, yeah, thank you for sharing that story with us. We mm -hmm. really appreciate it. This story comes from Ishara. Longtime listener from the UK here. Just wanted to say I really love the podcast. Here's a little story of my family's ghost experience. I can relate to a lot of people who write into your show in that I've always had a slight ability to pick up on these things, whether it's just human nature, trusting my gut, or something more. I have been able to feel positive and negative vibes. I grew up in a normal two-story house in the English suburbs. Both my parents have always been in touch with their spiritual sides to some extent, so I grew up in a household that was open to considering the paranormal. When I was around 10, things started to happen. If the porch light was left on for a family member returning home late, we would later find it switched off. If you started to run a bath and left the room, the taps would be turned off. While sitting in the living room, we would hear plates shifting in the kitchen cupboards. At one point, a photo of me fell to the floor from a wall full of photos with no reason. My mom had lost a button from one of her blouses, and she placed it on the kitchen counter where she would see it and be reminded to fix her blouse. This button would constantly end up on the floor while we weren't in the room, but we didn't think much of it because we also had cats. Notice that all of the strange things happened while we were out of the room, until one day when my mom was in the kitchen and the button dropped to the floor. This was when she knew something really was going on and we weren't just losing our minds as a family. She had a clairvoyant visit who believed she could feel the presence of a five-year-old girl in the house. The spirit was playful and just wanted to be noticed. From then on, we made sure to say hello to the little girl when we heard odd things. And over time, the strange activity faded out and seemed to disappear from the house. Last year, my apartment flooded and I had to stay at my mom's while the renovation work took place. I was perfectly comfortable with this, as it was our family home where I grew up, and I had always felt safe there. In August, my mom and stepdad went away for a while, leaving me alone in the house. One night, I lay in the bed with my cat, and I was getting sleepy, so I turned off my iPad and was struck by how dark it seemed that night, darker than usual. As I was drifting off, I could hear a light switch turning on and off in the house next door. We shared a wall and I was shocked how much I could hear the neighbors once my house was empty and quiet. About an hour later, I woke up. The first thing I noticed was that the house was not dark anymore, 
There was light seeping in under my door. I got up to find that the light in the master bedroom was on. The doors kept closed because my stepdad has a cat allergy and it had remained closed while they were away. That's when I realized that the noise I thought was coming from the neighbors had been in the very next room. I knew for a fact that the light was off earlier in the evening because I was struck by how dark it was. Let me reiterate, there was no one else in the house and the door remained shut. On my mom's return, she explained to me that years prior, she'd spoken out loud to the little girl's spirit and said something along the lines of, you can stay here, I know it's your home too, but I don't want to know if you're here. Once she had told me this, it made perfect sense that the presence would continue her pranks of doing things in other rooms while my mom was away. After all, this was the first time in many years that someone had been in the house while my mom wasn't home. Here's the part where you both tell me I'm an idiot. When my apartment was fixed up and I was moving out of my mom's house, I spoke out loud to the spirit. I said, if you want to play games all the time, you can come with me. I know that asking for an attachment is a stupid idea, but here's my logic. This spirit had always been about and only played harmless tricks. The more attention we gave the spirit, the more it faded away, whereas a malevolent entity would probably be the opposite. Probably? Is that something we're gambling with now? Anyway. And the main thing for me is that I never got a bad vibe. In fact, I barely even got freaked out by the strange happenings and found them somewhat comforting, knowing my little ghostly friend was still trying to humor us. I can confirm that the spirit hasn't followed me, and nothing odd has happened since. But if I ever have to stay at my mom's house, I'm sure I'll have an update for you. I would never call you an idiot, but I do think, how wise is that? (laughs) If you don't know exactly what you're talking to, best not to engage too much. It just makes me think about like dating someone super shitty because they seem really great at first. And then you're like, oh, come on, live with me. And then the mask just falls and they're leaving their underwear everywhere. And murdering prostitutes. Oh, same every time. We will talk about your dating life off air. (laughs) He made great grilled cheese sandwiches, though. (laughs) At one point in the story, she says, uh, my apartment flooded and I had to stay at my mom's while the renovation work took place. And and I got to tell you, of all the things that can go wrong in a house, apart from it just like burning to the ground. Right. I think flooding is the thing that that bothers me the most. Oh, interesting. And here I am with like seven fish tanks. Well, yeah, I, I did sort of think that when I was over there visiting the other day, <laughs> just because it gets everywhere. I've it often just, said that water inside your home is the most destructive force in the universe. Yeah. Because it just fucks everything up. I had friends who, um, unbeknownst to them, had a slow leak in a wall uh, oh, for about no. six months. And they had a very old house, a couple hundred years, which is in Canadian terms, very, very old. Yeah. That's and dangerous. Um, what they didn't know, and I'm laughing because I can just imagine them sitting at dinner. Uh, they were all literally in the dining room eating and all of a sudden the wall, the far house wall, um, on the left-hand side, it was where the stairs ran up to the second floor. The entire wall collapsed. Oh God. It had, it had basically gotten. So the plaster over the lathe had gotten so saturated with water because it was just slowly absorbing it slowly absorbing oh it slowly God. and it hit a critical point and the whole thing basically just liquefied and fell off the the wooden lathe oh dude that's awful can you even imagine nope 
I'm like, what did you do? And they're like, we packed a bag, called the insurance company and went to a hotel because you couldn't live in the house. Yeah. What the hell else do you do? Yeah. And it was just a slow leak. Someone had punctured a, um, a copper pipe. Oh and, man. Yeah. And it was really slow because the nail was still in the pipe. Right. Right. Oh dude. Not good. I used to work with a guy who had that happen. He, uh, he owned a house and something in the, it was a brand new house. They just bought it and something in the basement, there's a tiny little hole in the pipe just flooded the entire basement. Yep. And oh God, I mean, this is why I don't do my own plumbing, honestly. Well, yeah, that's fair. Well, that, and I'm completely inept, but if I wasn't plumbing is where I would draw my line. I don't want to say that, but I mean, (laughs) I don't want to have to deal with plumbing because there's poop in plumbing. Like that's, that's my primary concern with plumbing. I once cleaned um, a bathroom in Tim Hortons when I was 17 and working there. Oh, not, no. Not just because I was bored. Um, and <laughs> well, it's Tuesday and I got nothing going on. Exactly. And it was the ladies' bathroom. And uh, some lady had had multiple experiences in there. Oh, no. Yeah, like her monthly experiences and evacuation of waste experiences and hadn't really been all that concerned about hitting the toilet. Oh, no. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. So I opened the door and I backed out again and went, oh, hell no. Like, no one's paying me enough for that. No kidding. And um, I thought, well, I'm it. Like, I'm I, the last line of defense. I have to do this. Right. And um, so I opened the door with holding a bottle of bleach and I literally dumped bleach from the doorway, like splashing it in like holy water. <laughs> and I shut the door and hung a, you know, out of order sign on it. And I waited right. an hour. And, oh, then, wow. and then I went back and I just had some sort of foaming white goop to clean up. And that was fine. Oh, I, I just sort of turned my brain off, put the gloves on and, and went to town because what was I going to do? Well, I, that's, you got to do it. But the bleach. Yeah. That, that definitely needed to happen. <laughs> oh, my worst experience because I, I never, I never had kids. Right. So I, I don't have to deal with all the shit that comes with like right. cleaning up after kids. But uh, my worst experience like that came when I was visiting some friends down in Portland back in 2010. Right. It's a, it was a couple and they're just, just tiny pocket people. Very, very, very both like five foot four. Right. And they, we were going to go out for a night drinking. We were staying in, we we're coming through town. We we're going to be staying with them and they were going to come out to a sake bar with us you know, okay. in the Northwest of Portland to go for some drinks. Well, they hadn't realized that we were coming there on the same night. They were at a church social. Oh they no. Were also, they were also very Catholic. Oh no. So they had been drinking a lot at church. Right. Now he was used to drinking a lot. She was not. And we didn't realize how much they'd been drinking until we were at the sake bar. Oh no. And she just, it's this prim, tiny little pocket person, just very lovely woman, super sweet. She'd be mortified if she knew I was telling this story. Thankfully, I <laughs> haven't spoken to them in like six years. Perfect. Um, but she just threw up at the table. Oh my God. You know, she, she's a, she's like an engineer, very professional person, mm-hmm. again, very religious, but she just can't hold her, her booze. Can't hold. Well, yeah, just hit her limit and up it came. And wow. I remember the husband bugged out with her. Right. And so it was just me and my friends. My friends aren't going to clean it up. And the restaurant staff were looking at me like, I'm not fucking touching that. <laughs> so it fell to me to clean up this mess at right. this table in this sake bar. And I thought, well, I don't know how much more I'm going to see of these people. 
because oh much God. much like the phone call, you know, the death phone call, it's one of those things that divides right. a friendship. You know, like, well, you've cleaned up my vomit now. Maybe I won't call you anymore. Because mm-hmm. you're just way too embarrassed. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I didn't speak to them again for uh, four years. Oh, my God. Not my, not my choice. But no, no, I get it. That's how it went down. Oh Anyways, boy, thank you. We, we've gone really far. We really that. veered off the road on this one, but I think it was worth it. I think so. You, you brought back some people. precious, precious memories of my early employment. Now let's try and forget them as fast as we can. <laughs> Thanks so much, Ashara. This story comes from River. You asked about the significance of oak trees, and you're very right in thinking they have a connection to the spirit world. They are central in druidic worship and are often adopted as a symbol of power for many druids. It's also usually the tree associated with the Green Man, an old-world god. Many of us Wiccans also feel a strong connection to them, too. I once had a small branch from the oldest oak tree in England hung above my door, and after a dastardly ex-friend stole it, the whole energy in the house shifted to being much darker. I hope that's why they were the ex-friend. Finally, I thought I'd share two quick hauntings I've experienced recently. I'm of Roma descent, what people more commonly and incorrectly call gypsies these days. The gift doesn't just run in my family, it sprints. I live in Calgary and moved into a very old converted nunnery about six months ago. Surely such a place isn't going to be haunted and creepy, right? I assume that's sarcasm. Oddly enough, it's been fairly uneventful until recently. I've never had a haunting make me laugh out loud before, but this one had me laughing hard. Much like Ian, I sent spirits and image flashes, rather than actually seeing moving ghosts. That was all about to change, however. A few weeks ago, I was doing some housework and listening to some upbeat Broadway tunes, and I kept seeing flashes of three nuns laughing and playing in a chorus-style kickline. At first, I just thought it was an overactive imagination, but the images kept flashing, and the three ladies seemed to be having a whale of a time. Whether this was really a haunting or my overactive imagination, I'll leave it up to you and the listeners but it made me smile either way. The second one, however, left me feeling a lot less jovial. I awoke in the middle of the night to a loud bang on the wall behind me, and not long after, my bedroom door opened a few inches. But it had definitely been closed tight. None of my windows were open, so it couldn't have been a draft. My unease was made all the worse by my cat, who kept staring at the gap in the now-open door and started growling. So I decided it was time to turn the lights on and cast some salt in the doorway an old Wiccan protection trick to try and protect me and my cat. I was already feeling very scared at this point, but I managed, somehow, to fall back asleep. I don't know how long I was asleep, but I woke myself up by letting out a blood-curdling scream. As soon as I opened my eyes, I saw three gaseous green orbs in front of me. I've never seen orbs before, but I seem to recall a story from a prior show of someone seeing these weird foggy green ones. They left a trail behind them in the air, and they seemed to be pulsing and dancing around each other. I blinked a few times, and they were gone. I don't know why those orbs scared me so much more than the door opening or some other hauntings I've had in the past. Maybe because I could see them physically before me, instead of an image flash, but I was more unnerved than I've ever been in my entire life. The apartment has felt very weird ever since that night, so like any good Roma, I'm packing up the wagons and moving on to new pastures. Now, for bonus points, Ian, do you remember which episode? I know we just talked about this, but I'm going to say right. <laughs> Which episode the green orbs were on? Nope. Those haunted penitentiary blues. Okay. Yeah. yeah. It was a story from the prison guard at Kentucky State Penitentiary. Right. 
Right. And he, he was, uh, he, he felt like drawn outside and saw those three green orbs. That's right. His, I remember that now. Yeah. And I think he got nauseous. And wasn't he going to send us more stories as long as we kept him a secret? Uh, no, that was a guard from another prison. Yeah. The, um, that guy, he never did actually get back to us. Dude, if you're out there, get back to us. You have good stories. Yeah. <laughs> I I second this. <laughs> but, uh, no, I think leaving seems to be, to be wise. It's funny though. I, I used to date a girl who was Roma. Oh, okay. And talk about a mismatch. Oh, really? Why? Well, I, I like to explore, but I like to explore from a, a base, like a solid right. base. So, you know, I, I've lived in exactly uh, five places my entire life. Wow. The, the house I grew up in, my first apartment, the, my house, and then my two apartments here in Victoria. That's it. I don't like moving. And I, she I would like, literally be the opposite. Oh, 100%. Yeah. yeah. And and I realize now, I mean, it was just, you're young and you're dumb and you think, well, this is, why, how could this be bad? <laughs> oh, sure. We fundamentally disagree on every part of living our lives, but yeah. uh, you know. It'll all be fine. Yeah. What could go wrong? Mm-hmm. That's, I guess that's the important thing. <laughs> know yourself. <laughs> our next story comes from Sarah. Back in 2012, I worked as an associate producer on a show for the Sci-Fi Channel. I'm not going to name the show because of non-disclosure agreements, but it was canceled after one season, so don't get too excited. Okay, so this ghost story takes place at the West Virginia Penitentiary. Ah, another penitentiary. In Moundsville, West Virginia. This prison has a very dark history, notably having poor living conditions, which eventually got the place shut down in the 90s. Welcome to America. Many prisoners died there, either from the death penalty, polio, tuberculosis, or murder. Sounds like quite the uh, smorgasbord of choices. So we arrived at this prison. This was a period of my life when I was playing at being a skeptic. But as soon as I walked in, I felt like I'd been punched in the face. The energy was that thick. I later developed a massive headache. I was always pretty sensitive growing up. I had a really intense experience of the other side that made me decide to stop believing because it was too much for me to process at the time. So when I stepped inside, it was as if the prison said, oh, You want to play skeptic? Hold my beer, bitch. This is about to be good. Story one. So we took a tour of the prison as we did every location looking for places to set our cameras. While walking through the north cell block, I had this immediate instinctual thought to stop right where I was and not take a step further. It was as if a wall went up and literally blocked my way. I now know it was one of my spirit guides, a story for another time. The other crew members didn't feel a thing, but I knew something wasn't right and I had to get out of there but I kept it to myself because I didn't want to sound crazy. Our tour guide started sharing the story of one of the prison's most notorious prisoners and how his cell was directly ahead and how he was stabbed to death feet from where he stopped, unable and unwilling to go forward. Coincidence? I think not. I felt his presence strongly and came to find out he's the most active ghost in the prison. Story 2 Me and the only other female crew member were blacking out the windows in the psych ward of the prison. As I said, we were the only two females in the entire crew and in the prison at that given moment. The second I got up there, I had the creeps. And not just because of how it looked. It had a massively negative energy. I felt like I was being watched. And I wanted to get out of there ASAP, but we had a job to do. We were taping garbage bags to the windows when I started hearing what sounded like a woman's voice and someone banging on a pipe. The other girl and I looked at each other and whispered, what the fuck? We knew we were the only two females in the entire place, 
and yet we were hearing a woman's voice. We couldn't make out what it was saying. I should add that the psych ward was converted into a TB unit when the prison had a bad outbreak. Instantly, I pictured a nurse. I knew this was possibly a historical flashback. We quickly finished and found the rest of the crew. They were on the opposite end of the prison and swore they were nowhere near us as we were convinced they were messing with us. To make the story even creepier, we decided on a separate occasion to listen in on the security camera that was placed in that area. I swear to God we heard the exact same woman's voice and the pipe banging sounds. We could see on all our security cameras that no one was even near that area of the prison. Our entire cast was down at the opposite end. Story 3 So the prison has a legend of a shadow man. Naive little me thought that was a hoax. We were wrapping up the location. Some of the producers were doing last cast interviews and outtakes, and I was cleaning up the kitchen area. I was by myself and instantly started to get that super creeped out feeling like I was being watched. I turned to look and saw this large shadow shape in the prison watch area of the kitchen. I guess that's where guards would camp out to watch the prisoners as they ate their meals. I figured it was probably a shadow of our cast members or crew figuring they were filming near there. I tried to shrug it off, but that creepy feeling would not go away. So I kept looking over to see if it was gone, but it was always still there. It was as if it were watching me. Finally, the other producers and cast came into the kitchen from the other side of the room, confirming I was not seeing their shadow. For good measure, I asked them if they were filming near there, and they assured me they were not, and said I could watch the footage if I wanted. I am now a believer in shadow people. There were other parts of the prison that my intuitive sense would not allow me to pass by, or tour, and believe me, I listened. What's interesting, though, is the last day I had a feeling I could finally pass the cell of the notorious prisoner. I felt like he was allowing me by as if to say that he accepted my presence there, and for some reason my spirit guide felt it was safe too. So I did, with a smile, and never got that creepy feeling as I went by. It made me think that spirits want and deserve our respect, no matter who they were in life or in death. Anyways, I will send more stories later on. I wish you both health, love, and peace during this pandemic, and thank you again for your gift of entertainment. Well, thank you, Sarah. That's very nice. That is very nice, and that is an amazing story. Oh, no kidding. Our last story comes from Marta. When I was younger, I could see weird things, but growing up in a Catholic household, my mom would tell me to pray, ignore it, and think of angels and family and other good things. She'd never met my family. Now, years later, long after I've left my family's house and gotten married, I jokingly talked to my mom about how my husband and I fought over ever taking my parents' house. They're first-generation immigrants who are always amazed when they see they have a house that was built from the ground up, so it means a lot to me to keep it in the family. My mom asked me if I would ever have kids to fill it up. I told her no, because children terrify me. I second that. But so does living in the house alone with how much my husband works. I say this because I always got weird vibes there. And it's in the sticks of Virginia, so you know there's bound to be some creepy shit crawling around out there. My mom asked me about what I felt in the house, and I told her it was just weirdness I couldn't describe. She immediately corrected me, saying it was a little girl and a man, neither of whom do anything bad, but the girl tends to play tricks on them. I was stunned, mainly because my mother had told me to deny something she'd believed in for so long. I lived in that house for 10 years thinking I was crazy. Last week we had some pretty heavy rain accompanied by thunderstorms. Nothing new during hurricane season. 
I was driving back from Target, waiting at the second light before my house when lightning flashed, and no more than a couple feet from the front of my car, I saw this empty void where it looked like the rain wasn't hitting. I don't know how else to describe it. Maybe a shadow person, maybe a void, maybe a large bird in the air stopping the rain from falling. That's got to be some bird. I don't know, but it shocked me. The light turned green and I went to the next. Almost home, I thought. Then the second flash happened and I saw the void again. This time, right by the window of my car. I didn't look at it, but still I could see it. Feel it watching. The moment the light turned, I sped through. At home, as I unpacked my car, I could feel something nearing me in the rain. I rushed into the garage and shouted, Leave me alone! You're not welcome! I stayed by my husband the rest of the night. Fast forward to tonight. I'm watching my in-law's house and grandmother-in-law with my dog. Everything was fine until he woke me up around 1 or 2 a.m. chasing flies in the house. I was just about falling asleep again when I heard a creak by the foot of the bed. I felt a weird presence, so I tried to get up to tell it to go away, and that's when I realized I couldn't open my eyes. Immediately, I started feeling like I was in a lucid dream state, where something kept giving me weird options. The more I denied, the more pressure I felt on my body. I tried desperately to write across in the sheets with my fingers, to remember the O oh Father, to pick up my head or raise my body. Finally, after what felt like forever, I managed to move my body and tell whatever it was to leave. Then I said the O oh Father a few times until my body felt light enough to leave and go downstairs to the couch. I think my mom, affirming what we'd both denied for years, is catching up to me. Like my denial protected me from so much until now. I'm hoping this is all in my head and I'm just being paranoid and homesick. I love watching horror movies and I love spooky things mainly because it's easier to admire things from afar. Not so easy when they are getting closer to home. Oh, I'm not cool with that void in the rain thing. That's no. Mm -mm. Did you see that new Invisible Man movie? I did. I did it's, see it. Believe me. That, that actually surprised me. I know. It surprised me too. <laughs> it kind of puts me in mind of that. Yeah. You know, that there's someone, because it's so physical. Yeah. You know, and the notion that it could be a bird, I think, is adorable. I'm just imagining some giant-ass condor. Yeah, right. Oh, it's a caw. pterodactyl. No yeah, deal. exactly. Yeah. It's a small jet. <laughs> I, li I like the movie, though. It was good. Yeah, it was a great movie. Yeah, yeah. It was a bit like uh, Sleeping with the Enemy, but um, with invisibility powers. <laughs> I guess it was. Yeah, I hadn't yeah. thought about it like that. That's what happens when you get old, kids. You, you, things start seeming like things from when you were younger. Yeah, right. Sigh. And I will say the uh, liking horror movies and spooky things, that's the whole reason or that's how I got into this. Yeah. It's it's like a gateway drug. Yeah. And for me, it was creepy documentaries. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. What, documentaries what? on like Jonestown and. Oh, really? Um, oh, God. Yeah. Love that stuff. For example, here's my earliest memory of being fascinated by something like that. In grade four, they took us to the Frank Slide. Oh, yeah, yeah. Right. And if you don't know what that is, Google it. It's horrific. Uh, basically, a mountain came down and, and wiped out a small town in the space of 100 seconds. Anyway, I went to that and I just remember being so shocked and confronted by death and how quickly it could all happen that I was just then drawn to disasters like some sort of broken animal. Um, <laughs> and then, yeah, it just sort of went from there, like Jonestown and 
those crazy people in California who thought a comet was coming to get them. I read all about that. The Reallians? Yeah, whatever. Oh, they no, were. Heaven's Gate. Heaven's Gate. That's it. Heaven's Gate. Yeah. David Koresh and the Branch oh, Davidian. Yeah. Yep. Like, I guess my, my thing is like, how did it happen? What, what made it happen? That was part of my reason for getting obsessed with like Mayday 911. They have a different air disaster every show. And I think for me, in a way, it's sort of psychologically my own way of dealing with my own fears. Okay, um, like, right, right, right. Right. So I could be like, okay, don't join a cult. Check. Um, <laughs> don't be in an airplane that crashes. Right. So um, do your research. Find out, does the airline have a reputation for skimping on maintenance? Because quite frankly, that's why most of them happen. Or so, nowadays, for not making sure everyone's wearing a goddamn mask. Well, there's that too. <laughs> so yeah, it's um, it's... It's always been a thing for me. So we come at it, you and I, from very different places. Mine's not rooted in like horror movies in terms of like um, fiction. Right. But still very much horrific things that have occurred on the planet, I guess. So it's weird. I never drew that connection before. I never questioned it before. Right. But I think that's why I am absolutely entranced with ghost stories where there's history and, and there's there's still something going on there. I just think it, that just makes me happy for some twisted reason. That's because we're fucked up people, Ian. Oh, right. I knew it. You got to write that one down. <laughs> yeah. Like the guy from Memento, get a tattooed on your leg. Exactly. <laughs> so that's going to do it for this episode. If you want to send us a story, ghoststoryguys at gmail.com is a way to do it. There are other ways, which we'll briefly mention in the next segment. But thank you to everyone who wrote in. We really appreciate you sharing your stories with us, trusting them, us with them. And we hope that if you're having your own experiences right now, that there's something in here you can identify with and maybe come to a greater understanding of, of your situation. Absolutely. I mean, that's the whole reason I wrote a ghost book in the first place. That's it. Yeah, I did it because there was nothing good on television. <laughs> I wanted to help people. You were just bored. That sounds about right. <laughs> we'll be right back. Welcome back. As always, we'd like to thank the rest of the team, Luke Greensmith, Anthony Germain, and Sarah Kent for their work on this and every episode. We couldn't do it without you guys. And we actually had a great um, whole team showing on the last uh, patron live show. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we had a full house for the first time in a couple months. That was cool. That was great. Although it, it was kind of funny because we started at everyone, I think, very low energy. Yeah. Everyone was kind of bummed out. And then as the show went on, you know, if, if you watch the playback, you can see us kind of feeding off each other and picking up steam. That's awesome. But for the longest time there, yeah, it was just uh, bullshit. Everything stinks. And then, yeah, got to <laughs> lean on each other a little bit, which was nice. Definitely. It made a big difference. Yeah. And as we mentioned on the, the main show, or sorry, on the, min, the mini show, uh, Sarah wrote a really great origin story, short story uh, for Nathaniel and Kiki, my ghost children. It was so good. Oh, man, it really is. I, I've since read it and I sent her a message. It's so great. And it's I'm so great. I, I have a th I have some thoughts as to what we can do with it, kind of take it to the next level. Ooh, um, cool. But um, I'll tell you off air and uh, okay. if, they, if they come to fruition, our audience will find out. Excellent. Well, I love that I'm an unwitting uh, helper to a demon in that story. Oh, yeah. yeah. You and demons. Yeah, I know. It's a thing. Hmm. Well, maybe maybe that's why I like the disasters. So, no. Some perceptive people in there. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> Where's my large glass of baby's blood? You always forget that on the kitchen counter. <laughs> I want to put it started putting it in a Starbucks mug so it doesn't get, you know, lose its chill too quickly. Well, no one's going to steal it at least. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I actually went to Starbucks today uh, briefly. There's one not far from my house. It's pretty open to the air. So I, 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 what I do is buy a coffee and then go sit on the legislature lawn right. and you yeah. know, on a bench and just kind of chill out. So I, I did that. But when I ordered my coffee, the guy just handed it to me and it was perfect. He, he handed it to me without a lid because I don't, I don't put anything in my coffee and right. I don't want a lid because I'm just going to throw it out. Well, then one of the other guys behind the counter grabs it and just takes it away. And what? the dude who handed it to me said, what are you doing? And the guy said, oh, you can't send it out without a lid. And he takes a lid. And he smushes it down on top of my coffee with his bare hand. Oh, no. Just flat of his palm, straight down on the place where I'm supposed to put my goddamn mouth. Even if we weren't in a pandemic, that would be gross. Right? That's not okay. Just lick it, you bastard. Why not just go all the way? (laughs) First thing I did, just get out of there, rip it off, trash. Well, all right. Wow. No, people are gross and dumb. No argument here. But speaking of the opposite of those rude and dumb people, our patrons. Yes, yes the highest and best kind of people. The greatest people. It is time for our patron shoutouts. Of course, we'd like to thank all our patrons, but we'd especially like to thank our latest patrons. They are Loretta Berry, Ryan Statham. And, and Ryan mentioned that his partner is pregnant, so congratulations to you both. Yay. Carrie. Helen Chapel. Lindsay Breeze. Heather Harper Troyer, Heidi Mitrushi, Amanda, James Doughty, Erica Barnes, Unsupervised Steve, Michael Lasher, Rachel Forrest, Colum Lynch, Nikki, John Michael Woolhead, Sam G, Donna Altina. Thank you so, so much for your support, guys. I can't tell you how much it means to us. It, uh, yeah, it, it allows us to each draw a little salary from the show and treat it like a part-time job. Mm-hmm. And it's really great and allows us to focus on a lot more. And it's just exciting to be able to do that. If you want to join the team, head on over to patreon.com slash ghost three guys. That's patreon.com slash ghost three guys. We have tiers at the one, five, 10, 20 and $50 levels. You get access to all kinds of cool shit, including early access to these episodes. You also get our additional cabin fever shows where Ian and I shoot the shit about all the stuff going on in our lives. You also get early access to Luke's Luke Lore show, which is uh, actually going to be a bi-monthly. Amazing. A bi-weekly deep dive into the folklore topic of his choosing. Very cool. Yes. And you also get access to our monthly live show, exclusive stickers, art cards of my night photography, and of course, Ian's smash hit Christian country album, Aware of Wonder. So again, thank you so, so much, guys. It, It just means the world to us. And if you want to get in touch, send us an email to ghoststoryguys at gmail.com. You can also reach us on Facebook at facebook.com slash ghost guys, Twitter at twitter.com slash ghost guys, and Instagram at instagram.com slash ghost guys. And of course, you can also reach us on the ghost line. There's something strange in your neighborhood. We're gonna call ghost line. Call one triple eight five eight. Thanks for our listener, Amber Pease, for her ghost line jingle. Mm-hmm. That, that number is one 588 6920 That's toll-free within North America. Call and leave a voicemail with your 
story, your comment, your question, your gentle criticism. Leave whatever you like. Or if you don't want to talk, you can text us at 925-553-4789. And of course, all correspondence that we receive, or as as much as we can uh, possibly share, will be shared on our mini shows, which are now happening every other week. Mm Mm-hmm. So this coming week, we will have, uh, again, we'll be answering your questions, comments, responding to whatever it is you send to us. That will happen on the mini show coming a week from today. Don't forget to rate and review us on iTunes and wherever else. We love reading those. Love reading those. Very much. Anywhere on iTunes and anywhere you can rate podcasts. um, Again, brightens our day and helps bump our visibility. If you want to pick up some Ghost Story Guys merch, head on over to our website at ghoststoryguys.com. There you can find links to our Redbubble and TeePublic stores, which where you can buy merch, and to our Big Cartel store, which is where you can buy signed copies of our books, magnets, pins, and all kinds of other cool shit. Again, that's ghoststoryguys.com, and follow the links. Our theme song, Radio, Into the Darkness We Go, is composed and performed by Peter of Pizzanta Music. Find more from him by searching for Pizzanta Music wherever you stream your music. Our story's theme is The Future Belongs to Them Now by Hexagram. Find more from them by searching for Hexagram wherever you stream your music. That's Hexagram with two X's, not three. All other music and sound effects on this show are provided courtesy of Epidemic Sound. If you're looking for Podsafe music or sound effects for your next project, head on over to EpidemicSound.com to check them out. I guess that's going to do it. Mm-hmm, I think so. We'll see you in a week with our mini-show, and until then... Into the darkness we go. these names of me <laughs> sweet g well remind me not to ever be optimistic again no don't do that i think i'd learn by now Nah, you never do sounds like the start of a movie i once saw uh several i've seen as a matter of well fact. yeah you would what's so special about hero bread soft fluffy and delicious breads buns and tortillas these ultra low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar fewer calories and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health Shop now at Hero.co.